Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello and welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am Meredith Bond, here with my co-host. I'm Prue Warren. And today is a very, very special day here at the podcast. We <laughs> are, our party has expanded to three. <laughs> <laughs> we have a guest with us today. We have Chris Hall of the Editing Hall, who is my editor. And goodness, Chris, how long have you been my editor? I can't oh, even remember. Oh my gosh. Fourteen? <laughs> yeah, something 15, like that. Fifteen maybe. Yeah. That's awesome. A that really kind of, that long kind of, time. That I'm better of, at counting the books than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that concept of a partnership, that it's not just transactional, that it's much more of a partnership than that. That's it, encouraging. It is 100%. In fact, we put together such a fantastic list of questions, but you know what? That was not one of them. And maybe it should have been because I have considered Chris to be sort of my silent writing partner for so many years. <laughs> But that, but I'm sorry, we're deviating from the list immediately. Chris, does it, doesn't it bug you to be someone silent? Right? I mean, don't you want any of the fame and glory? Uh, I'm a teacher. Well, retired now, but going uh. into something. Um, I'm a teacher. So for me, it's all about helping somebody be their best. And when they've got the talent already, somebody like Meredith makes my job very easy. <laughs> you are too <laughs> kind. That was good. That was very good schmooze. Well, that's interesting that it's that you have the teaching gene in you. So your your sense of accomplishment comes from her progress, not necessarily from every time she writes a dedication to you because you're so foundational to her success. Uh, Meredith, I think you owe her what, like a cheesecake or something. I sure as hell do. <laughs> maybe more, maybe more than one. <laughs> she gave me a personal tour once. I and did. Russell, she did. Yeah. Oh, oh, see, that's pretty good. A little a home base when you're on a European jaunt, darling. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. okay. All right. The jury has ruled. We will allow it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, should we get started? We have such a list of questions, Chris. You're just, I don't know what you're going to do here. Um <laughs> Well, some of them I may answer and you may be able to skip over a few, so. Okay. Okay. You'll, you'll tell us which one you want us to skip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, gi just give us, you know, the sign. <laughs> well, then okay. let, me, let, me ask, let me ask the first one, if you don't mind, because I'm Go interested right as a novice. I'm, I'm at the beginning of my journey. And I'm not giving anybody home bases in Brussels yet, but the mm -hmm. day will come. Uh, and I'm wondering, how do you... How do you handle editing an author whose work you don't like? What do you, what happens if you get someone who's not particularly talented? 
You know, I think that my teaching background has really helped with that because I don't ever find anything I don't like. There's always something about it I like. There's either the characters that I like or the plot that I like or the style of writing that I like. And that's what I hone in on when I talk with the with the author. Yeah, that is that's really diplomatic. I mean, that's impressively <laughs> diplomatic. But it's true. All right. For me, it's true. I mean, if somebody was really, really horrible, I'd, it's just, it's never happened to me. How long have you been editing? Since 2013. Okay. Officially. <laughs> and, it's, and it's never happened. I just think probably it's never going to happen. I think you're, uh, there's a bright side. I'm, to, I'm, uh, a glass uh, half full. My yeah. glass is half full. Yep. <laughs> So, okay, obviously you're not going to tell me any horror stories of writers who just should not be considered writers. But when you found someone who you've been able to glom onto a good character or a good plot point or something that is that redeems a novel, what's the success rate? Does that person actually ever create a novel that you feel like is worth publishing? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. You make it sound so easy. Like, it's just that easy. Well, that's it's Chris's somebody, job, too, right? Yeah, to make yeah. it publishable. Right. And so I have to find the good bits and expand on those. I mean, I've had people who never want to write anything but one book, and it's a memoir. My stepfather wrote his memoirs, and I helped him with those. So it's it's all about the story they want to tell. It's not about me and whether I can make it good in my opinion, it's whether or not they're happy with it when they walk out the door. With it. You're awesome. You're awesome. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's okay. Okay. The jury is If you good. get an editor who puts you down, it probably isn't a good, if that's how you feel that they're putting you down or that they're too negative, then it's not a good fit. It, it is all about partnership. Because if, if you don't jive with your editor, you're not going to put out your best work and you're not going to work harder to fix the things that we both think need to be fixed. So I have to be your, your fan. If I didn't love Meredith's work, I wouldn't push her as hard as I do sometimes. I'll say, oh, no, I know you can do better on this scene. <laughs> I, you know, you're, you're, you're not making my heart go pitter-patter, and I know that you can, you know? So <laughs> that's that is a common yes, problem. that's it. <laughs> so that's awesome. Uh, my editor, uh, I'm working with Angela James, who used to be at Harlequin, and she's she is she is supportive. I don't think she's... She's not quite the same attitude you do, but she has somehow become my my sort of publishing coach, which is very very valuable to me. I'm I'm tabling I'm tabling Meredith my second book. I'm tabling it. I'm putting it aside, starting again. I think what she was saying she was much more diplomatic. But what she was saying essentially was that I have picked a topic in a situation that I'm not yet skillful enough to do. She didn't say it. But she said, you need to walk away from this and let it percolate for a while. And by a while, she meant a while. She said, start again, start again. So I'm starting again. And I thought that that was very different from what an editor would usually, I thought an editor would say, here's your book, let's make it better. But what she's done is gone beyond here's the book. And she's like doing career, which is 
I didn't even know that an editor would say, here's the better career path for you. But Chris, you're talking about working with people who only have one book in them and only care about the memoir, as opposed to a professional author like Meredith, who, if you ask her, doesn't even know how many books she's published, which is like, okay, that's bucket list for me. Oh, I don't know. Lots. Too many to count. Lots. <laughs> Lots. <laughs> that's impressive. So how often do you find yourself in the position of sort of publishing coach as opposed to editor? Um, it kind of rolls into one job because one of the first questions I'll ask is what is your background? You know, do you, have you been published yet? Um, what are you looking to do? So I know are, if you're going for a series, then you really need to set up that first book. So it's, it's better than best. You know, because you want people to be able to pick up the next book and the next book and the next book. Um, so, yeah, their goal has a lot to do with my advice. So, Have you ever run into somebody who rejected your advice? Oh, sure. And I always tell them, you know, this is, these are my suggestions. Take what you want, throw out the rest. Um, if you find... I've worked with somebody before on one book and we just decided it just wasn't a good fit. You know, maybe I was too nice or they wanted, uh, you know, you just, you don't know. And some people don't like any kind of criticism. And those are usually the only kind of clients that don't stick. Somebody who, you know, they deliberate over every single word. So if you try and say, you know, do you really need these three words at the end of a sentence? <gasps> yes, I need every single one. And I need both of those exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> that is up to you. And that's what I always say. However, I will, you know, tell you that this is something you should be looking at or, you know, it's always being diplomatic, of course. Right. But tricky. Well, I know Meredith, you do book coaching. So you've been in similar situations too, where, where a client is not necessarily hearing what you're saying or has chosen not to hear it. Yes, absolutely. And it can be really difficult when they don't want to hear what you need to tell them. And so, yeah, um, I have parted ways with a client because they just didn't want to hear what I had to say and didn't want to make the changes that I was suggesting. So that's interesting. Of course, my, all my questions come from this place of um, like a lack of confidence, right? I'm, I'm at the beginning. I don't know what this relationship is supposed to be. I don't know how these relationships are supposed to be built. So, so I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's reassuring to know that if I'm rejecting a lot of edits it might just be that it's badly written, but B, it might just be the style. It's just the wrong editor for me. We're just not clicking. Yeah. And that's that's very possible. And I always say, especially um, with the self-publishing these days, you have to go with your gut. I mean, I am just one opinion. And a lot of times, like Meredith knows, I'll throw something out there and make her think about it. But she's the one who decides if she's going to change it or not. Sometimes she does. Sometimes she doesn't. But I just make her go through that thinking process. That's that's my job, too, is to make sure that every every chapter that story forward 
if I see something that I think maybe is dragging the story down or, you know, it's it's not pushing that plot forward, then I'll mention something. Um, I'll also mention things, um, especially in historicals, if something doesn't sound quite right for the time period. Sometimes it is. And, you know, you'll go look up words or whatever in, in the OED and, and find out, well, they were using it in 1810, but it just sounds modern. And I'll just an FYI, you know, so if they want to change it, they can. If they don't want to change it, they don't have to. But it really is your gut feeling when it comes to to the final product. You have to go with what you're happy with and you have to go with, because it's your vision in the story. You're sharing it with me. So I can't really tell you where to go. I can help guide you, but you have to go with your gut. And that's lack of confidence sometimes will keep you from going with your gut instincts. Somebody like Meredith, who's been writing long enough, she'll think about a suggestion and then she'll think, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or no, here's where I was going with that. So, you know, you have to start learning to trust your own instincts. And sometimes when yeah, Chris will make a suggestion that I don't agree with, sometimes I will write an explanation as to why. And then she'll get it. She'll understand that that's not where I was heading. I I definitely value that thought, Chris, that 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 I have to have confidence in my choices. But if I put my, if I give my work to you or, or to Meredith or to Angela James and they, and you come back to me with an idea, I know that you're grounded in a lot more experience than I have. So I think that confidence, you know, it's, yeah, I don't have it yet. It <laughs> will come them. though. It will absolutely come. The more you write and the more you publish and so on. I'm working yeah. with a gal who does cozy mysteries and she's, I think we're working on her eighth book right now. Um, and you'll just find when you get a few books out there and then you go back and you look at your first, she'll go, Oh my God. It <gasps> <laughs> was a really it's good so story, but I could really redo it now and do a much better job. And that's what she just did on her first one. But I warned her, I said, now, don't go back to the whole series. <laughs> if you want to do that first book, because um, now she's realized through a series of eight books, how to add a little bit of character or a little bit of character development by just a word or, or emotion or a sentence, you know? So that's what she did on her very first one. She wanted her edits just those little ones that she's learned throughout the series on how to plant a better clue or how to plant uh, a, an emotion with just a look or a raised eyebrow. So, you know, and, and that starts to come naturally, believe it or not, it will. All right. All right. Well, I, I am still learning such major things with which, with each editing round that I absolutely believe. I mean, there's clearly a lot to be learned. So, okay. All right. It, it, it eases me that you don't secretly roll your eyes at an author who doesn't yet know how to do the glance or a raised eyebrow, right? I see you both laughing, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody listening to the podcast knows you're laughing. You're both laughing. You want to confess to some, raised, to some rolling eyes? No, no. I love that. Editing made me a much better writer. I mean, not only mistakes, but 
but uh, how to improve my writing. I mean, I'll read a story and think, oh my gosh, that was just such a good plot, you know, or, or how someone described a character. And I think, oh, I want to add something like that. You know, when I write next, it's just, it's always a learning process. You never stop learning and you're never so confident that every time you write a book and, and you put it out there that you think it's, it's going to sell a hundred thousand copies. You always worry every time you put out a product, oh, is this going to be as good as the last one? Is this going to be, are people going to like it? No, it's just part of the process. Chris, what's your name as an author? That's why you need a fan. For that. A fan. Aubrey Wynn. Aubrey, I'm writing it down. And W-Y-N-N? E. Y-N-N-E. Okay. Um, I think that's fascinating to see this concept of progress over time, because especially for someone at the very beginning of the journey, (laughs) there's a long road ahead. And I did the same thing when I got the, my first four books were traditionally published by Kensington, um, which was then Zebra Regency. Um, And when I got the rights back to them 10 years after they were published, I went back and I edited edited them so severely one of them was a completely different book (laughs) wow no kidding yeah I rewrote that one because I didn't like the characters (laughs) so I rewrote it (laughs) republished it under a different title and same story I loved the story but it needed better characters and so I just I rewrote it (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome okay that's all right publishing it's I, the I, best thing about self-publishing. Well, it's just interesting because I think of once a book is published, it's set in stone. I love this concept that, go ahead, do it again. What the heck? Make it better. Well, you know, I, I would hope that after 10 years or so, I would have learned how to write better. And I did, happily. <laughs> and so I used the knowledge. Um Chris, and also Mary, how does someone find a good editor? How does someone find an editor who's right for them? Well... You search around, you ask people. Um, I do sample edits. I had on the website to, that I would do five pages, but five pages doesn't really tell you anything. You need at least a chapter. Sometimes I request two chapters just to see where they're going. And again, that also depends on what their goals are. But the sample edits usually help. And then the emailing back and forth is always helpful too, because you kind of get a tone of what the person is like. And, you know, and then I know if they're more of a serious person that I shouldn't add little jokes or <laughs> because I tend to do that. And while I edit, I also edit as a reader. So as Meredith will let you know, I'll have little comments on this. I like, Oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting that. Or wait a minute. How can you make him do that? And then later on I'll go, Oh, oh. <laughs> or she'll say, Yes, there are lots of mwahahas in there. <laughs> that is, you know, when I've gotten edits back from my editor, the best part is when she says, all right, that made me laugh out loud. And I'm like, oh, victory, score. Yes. Chris, tell me, yes, before you yes. go on, tell me, tell me your website for people who are listening who want, who want to know more. TheEditingHall.com. Okay, I'm Pretty writing simple. it down. The editing yeah. And it will the, be in our show notes. Exactly. I'll put it in the show notes along with Aubrey Wynn if somebody wants to read your read your novels. Um, do you get a lot of 
I mean, are, how many writers are out there? Are you busy? Oh yeah, I stay busy, and it's I get a lot of um, I have a lot of clients that do series. So I won't hear from them for a while because they're working up two or three books and getting that series situated. And then we'll work together for like six months and, and I don't hear from them again for a while. Do you get, you get sent entire series? You get more than one. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I mean, they'll be working on a series. Okay, good. Um, good. Although good. she's going like, to get one from me soon. She's going <laughs> to. I way need to book society. you. She yes. was she was getting her uh, the first three books and the plots together in her head and outlined so she knew where she was going before she sent me the first book to to do and uh, okay. I've got one gal who does urban fantasy and she finished a series and she just got a hold of me and says I'm finishing up book one but I want to plot out the next two and then I want to get on the calendar so. I also get um, quite a few people that will just come in once because they're looking to get something edited because they want to send it out to agents and uh, traditional. Uh, right. And that makes a big difference too. And that makes a big difference on my advice and whether or not I'm a bit firmer on things because I know how hard it is to get into the publish to get into a traditional publisher to get an agent. No kidding. It's so, you know, they said, well, I really want this. <laughs> you know, I'll let them know. Well, an agent may look at this like in this sense. So if you want to keep that, that's fine. But I'm just letting you know, here's an FYI. So. Wow. Do you, uh, do you or do any editors specialize? I mean, obviously you're doing historical romance for Mary. What, what genres do you feel most comfortable in? Um, historical romance, historical fiction, um, but I do horror and urban fantasy and paranormal and memoirs. And I'm an avid reader. I'm a teacher. I, I'm just used to, I learned a long time ago, never to say I don't like a genre because I didn't uh -huh. think I liked sci-fi until this author comes through with her series and I was just proofing it. But I had so much fun proofing the series because it was just such a fun, fun plot. That's so I awesome. told my husband, I said, I, I never say never. I didn't think I liked horror. And a gentleman sent me one of his horror books. Thank you, Meredith. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was dark and it was amazing. But after that, when I got to do a nice historical romance, I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it was so intense, but yeah, I mean, you, I would say my specialty is historical romance. I mean, I know quite a few of the time periods I've taken enough classes and things. I've got lots of information set aside in folders that I can pull out if I need to, but really a good story is a good story. I agree with that. I was taking, I used to, my husband and I used to take classes at the Smithsonian. I live in the, in the DC area and we would go in and take classes because they sounded really good in the cat course catalog. But if it's a bad teacher, it doesn't matter how good the subject is. On the other hand, if it's a good teacher, anything is interesting. Anything is interesting. So it's, it's the, it's, yeah, it's the story. I agree with you. I agree with you. Meredith, I've monopolized the questions. Do you want, I can, I can no, keep that's going. Fine. I'm just, I'm just looking, taking a glance through the questions that we have. And here's a good one. 
um, which is, do you expect authors to learn from your edits? I hope that they do. And really, anyone who's serious about, about writing and wants to make it a career or at least, you know, a serious hobby will pick up on that and want to have less edits the next time. I mean, that's always the goal is when you first start, you may get, you may be uh, edited a little heavier than, than as you get better. I mean, you know, everybody improves. So I have what to if say, they, I'm just curious. What if I'm they don't, don't Oh, what if they don't? don't? If they don't, I just keep plugging away. It's, you know, just like anything else. I'll keep saying, oh, now remember, <laughs> you, you want to try and, and avoid uh, 15 L-Y words in the first paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> as pretty as it sounds. <laughs> you're a good, but you're no, a good most, most clients pick up on things, but you can't, like, I'll focus on one thing in particular at a time, you know, like if it's, um, too purple prosy or if it's, um, forgetting, I have a a gal who just always forgets. She has in her mind what her characters look like and it's chapter five. And I'm going, um, does she have blonde hair? (laughs) When she gets her eyes, are they blue or brown? And she'll go, (laughs) that was the first book. Now it's like, she'll, she'll leave me a little note on the side. Note hair color. <laughs> oh. That's adorable. I have to say, I have included in my comments links to grammar articles <laughs> to teach different clients some rules that they consistently break. That is really that is really hard for a lot of people. Yes, it can be. It can be. I have one gal who says, you know, that's not my thing. You just fix it. I write, you fix it, and I'm happy with that. And if she's happy with that, I'm happy with that. Well, okay, let me let me ask you, Chris, you may not want to answer this, was not on our list of questions, but one of the things I really value about this podcast with Mary is she's very open. How much does it cost? How much do you charge to edit a book? And do you charge more if someone is expecting you to catch all the grammar errors? No, that's just part of editing. Um I charge $1.85 per page, which comes out to, I think, about 0.0075 a, a word. Some some editors charge by page. Some editors charge by word. And I'm a little cheaper than some. Uh, a lot of times, it's the average is $2 or more a page. I've seen people spend over $1,000 on a $50,000 word novel, which, and I wouldn't want to pay that much, but if, if someone feels like they are getting their money's worth, then that's fine. But that's well, that is, what I charge them for. Yes. No, well, that's my, my view on this is that, especially in the beginning, a, a really good editor is like a college tuition. I'm learning so much. So I am paying more than you are charging. Um, but she also has credentials with a publishing house and I don't. So oh, you're also paying for that experience and that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm self-publishing though. So that's, yeah. Anyway, but do a little bit, uh, just give me a little thought on, I know there are people who are less expensive 
is it worth it to find the cheapest editor? What happens if you pay the least, right? I mean, you're shaking your head. And you, that's what you get. If you, if your only goal when you're looking for an editor is to find the cheapest one, then you might as well just find a proofer and be done. You know, just have it proofread. I'm not super expensive, but I'm not cheap. I mean, I don't think a dollar eighty-five a page is cheap. It would cost. I think I put something down on that. 50,200 pages, it'd be about 307. Yeah. So an average, an average 50,000 word novel is going to cost you somewhere between three fifty four hundred dollars Yeah. For, with, with the editing hall. Other people may be more, other people may be less. I'm middle of the road. So, but if you, if you're just looking for price, then you're not going to get the quality of somebody who's who's the, a fan of your work and wants you to do better. They're just cranking it out. So that's, that's the only thing with going with, you know, companies that hire 50 different editors and, and they piecemeal you out. It's, you don't get that partnership. And without that partnership, you can't really work well. I mean, as far as creating, you, you, you really need that extra ear and, and the extra set of eyes and, that have some kind of experience to help you move towards where you want to go. Somebody with an opinion. I think the opinion is really important because so often, you know, you've given me that comment where, you know, like I'm not feeling it or where's the kiss? Where's the romance? Where's why am I not feeling hot here? You know, Something like that. Um, And having that input is worth so much more than, you know, a hack editor who is just reading as fast as they can and and correcting your grammar. Yeah. Like I said, you might as well just get a proofreader. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. If I pay you $300 to $400 and send you my book and you send it back to me with edits, how many rounds do I get still with that? dollar sign. You get two passes. Sweet. And and a lot of editors only do one pass. Hmm. So, but I, again, it's that education background. I, I need to see what you did with it to make wow. sure that that makes, know, that makes perfect sense. I absolutely. Well, and just anytime you're revising a scene, it's so easy to leave out you know, a comma or leave out a word or, you know, so I want to make sure, you know, reconnect with you and make sure that everything's going. And then now a lot of times if, if you're a usual uh, client, um, then I'll have you send it back third time for free. And I run it through my paid program just to find out any little, little misses or extra periods or, you know, something that we might find. Wow. Cool. So. We are about at the end of our self-imposed time limit, even though we've gotten through about four of our 15 <laughs> questions. <so. laughs> well, we're just going to have to have Chris come back. <laughs> I'd be grateful. Let's do that. That's awesome. I'd be happy to. Um, but the bottom line is find your partner. When you find your partner, it it makes a world of difference. You know you've got somebody who has your back when you send them that book. That's I couldn't agree more. That's such good advice. 
That's such good advice. Um, I'm opening our list, Meredith, of our episodes, but yeah. it's opening It's opening the spreadsheets, taking forever. Do we know what we're doing next week? No, we don't, actually. But <laughs> you know what? It's going to be great, though. It's going to answer all your questions, listener. <laughs> actually, if you don't mind, we talked last week about character development, and we mentioned process. Okay. Should we talk about process next week? Yes, please. That would be yeah. great. Okay. okay. Process next week. Process next week, no matter what we have down on our list. Um, because process, I think, is so interesting. Everybody has a different process and attacks a novel a different way. And, I mean... That's one thing that I've learned being a book coach and an editor is accepting that everybody's process is so individual. And as a book coach, I have to adapt my coaching to their process. And I don't know whether you find the same thing, Chris, but it's so managing and not imposing your own process on somebody else is is interesting. I have questions. Yes. Let's talk about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you mean by that? That's awesome. All right. Uh, Chris, you're amazing. I'm so grateful that you answered my questions. I mean, hopefully, our, our, hopefully our listener, whose name is Glory, uh, <laughs> also got answers. But you answered mine. And I'm <laughs> Very, I'm exceedingly grateful. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. Sure. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you again, Meredith. It's great seeing you too. We really have to do this more often. Yes, please. Next week on Process. It's clear that Chris has a lot of thoughts. I'm very good at my role as the ignorant writer. You'll be be glad. Hi, Meredith. This has been another great one. Thank you. Yeah, it has. Thank you, Prue. And uh, we will talk next week. Next week. Bye. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com Dot com, one word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Hey.